We are back. Hello, welcome in. It is the end of the weekend at the Y'all Show. We're ready to get you into the weekend. How are y'all doing? A lot of the South digging out of some rain and flooding and more. And we'll discuss Mother Nature. Mother Nature all in the news here as we wrap up the week. Also, we will hear from President Joe Biden as on Friday afternoon he had a press conference at the White House to discuss the disaster that is Afghanistan. And we'll play a portion of his press conference right here in just a few moments. I'm General John Rawl, the general of all things Southern. We appreciate y'all taking time to be back with us here as we took a day off on Thursday. But we are here today to fill you up with what all's going on across Dixie. To reach us, you can do that a couple of easy ways. It's 803-816-1170. We have a website. It is y'all.com. It is the South's homepage. And we're going to tell you a lot more about that website and a lot more about this here show about the South as we traverse the afternoon. Also want to let you know if you miss any portion of the show all about the South, you can find us on our various podcast options. We're on Spotify. We are on iHeartRadio. We're on the TuneIn app, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and the aforementioned y'all.com. You can log on there, and we have our show posted each and every day at the homepage of the South. So we make it pretty pretty easy for you to catch up with what's going on across the Southland. Let me also tell you what's coming up here on this Friday end of the week edition of the show about the South. In addition to headlines from across the entire region, we are on a tour across the South getting you ready for the start of college football. And today we've had to make a little shifting around of our schedule. We were supposed to feature the Kentucky Wildcats, but after being off for assignment on Thursday, we will be pushing Kentucky back to Monday and we'll bring them in with whoever our other featured school is today we have what was supposed to be on thursday show as our featured college and it is the virginia cavaliers so you will hear later this hour a report all about the virginia cavaliers courtesy of 13 news now that's in norfolk scott cash is the anchor of the sports cast there and he's got a very brief but very good feature on bronco mendenhall's football team We'll discuss the 2021 schedule and also the predictions of how Virginia is going to fare this year on the gridiron. Remember, two years ago, Virginia represented the Coastal Division in the ACC Championship. Last year was not a very good year for Who's fans. But it's Virginia today in our first hour. We'll go through the season and expectations. Hour three, we'll be back to Charlottesville, and we'll discuss some of the great things about UVA, the school that Thomas Jefferson helped create. Also, we'll discuss famous alumni, and boy, what a distinguished group of alumni have attended the University of Virginia, one of our country's most historic and prestigious universities. Plus, we'll also, in Hour 3, tell you about some of the great traditions of UVA. All that is coming up Hour 3 as we roll on on our 44-city tour across the southeast Getting you ready for the start of college football, which starts <laughs> in one week. College football starts, but the big games really aren't until two weeks. So we are right here at the at the ready, set, go mark for college football. How about that? So we have all that coming up here on today's Y'all Show. 
And in our first hour, in addition to talking about Virginia football, we also have ICYMI. And today we're going to go back to Tuesday's Y'all Show. We're broadcasting from the Dixie Cafe. And here at the Dixie Cafe, when we are here, you just don't know who's going to be walking in the door. And we had a wonderful, wonderful surprise on Tuesday. A gentleman, a very distinguished Mississippian, just happened to be here with his lovely daughter celebrating his 98th birthday. And I've got the audio of some of my interview I did with his daughter, Perlene. Walter Reeves was that very distinguished southern gentleman. And we're going to rewind and hear a portion of our fun interview of Perlene talking about her 98-year-old dad and his wish to come here today to the Dixie Cafe and celebrate his 98th birthday. What a fantastic interview, and we're going to play you a portion of that from Tuesday in our ICYMI, in case y'all missed it. Also, before Hour 1 is in the books, Melissa Rhodes will be driving by with a southern accent on good old southern sports. Hour 3 today, we'll get the, um, rather, Hour 2 today, we're going to get the fun going in Hour 2 with our traditional fight song for Fridays, and that is David Lee Murphy's Party Crowd. Then we're going to take you to the complete opposite of Party Crowd. We had a birthday this week, not just for Mr. Walter Reeves, who turned 98. How about William Jefferson Clinton celebrated his 75th birthday this week? And in doing some research on Slick Willie, I found out his list of his favorite songs. And I found a song on there that is very touching, a very apropos song for us here on today's y'all show with all that's going on in the world and it's from a southern lady and this southern lady and her song just happened to be the favorite not only of bill clinton but also a guy named martin luther king jr and we'll play that song and tell you more about that great southern artist when we have our friday free for y'all to kick off hour two then in hour two our buddy craig faulkner He's going to take his reel out of the water for just a few minutes to come on here and tell you about the fishing forecast for the weekend. That plus some entertainment news. Garth Brooks has canceled some concerts due to COVID-19. Also, this is Jeopardy. Well, maybe it's not. An update on the new host or maybe the old new host. We'll have that information as we continue on. Plus a look at new movies that are hitting the theater's this weekend a busy busy show so let's go ahead and dive into what's going on across the country now just on friday afternoon you might have tuned in you might have seen it joe biden had a press conference at the white house where he focused on getting the job done in terms of the chaotic evacuation of americans and others from afghanistan it's getting to be a desperate situation we're seeing reports of the Taliban going around, as you would expect them to do. These are people who are, first of all, mad. They are, second of all, armed. And third, they want revenge. I don't imagine it's a good situation throughout Afghanistan if you're not a person on the side of the Taliban right now. President Biden today put an optimistic face on all of the chaotic evacuations that we've seen this week from Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people climbing into planes, people falling off planes to their death, people being put inside airplane wheels and people finding their carcass when they land 
you know, just a horrible, horrible deal. But again, Joe Biden, alongside a lady named Kamala Harris, I don't know where she's been the last several weeks, but she made an appearance at the White House alongside Anthony Blinken, the Secretary of State, and those three answering questions, actually, to, to Biden's credit. He's been ignoring the media for several weeks, it looks like, going to Camp David and not being available but he did take a few questions. Let's go in and hear the very beginning of President Biden's Friday press conference, and you can weigh in yourself on what's going on in terms of this country and its evacuation from Afghanistan. Our number, 803-816-1170. But here is the president talking about the evacuation efforts in Afghanistan. Our Americans are there. And those who may have come home to the United States, we're not, we want to get a strong number as to exactly how many people are there, how many American citizens, and where they are. Just yesterday, among the many Americans we evacuated, there were 169 Americans who over the, we got over the wall into the airport using military assets. We're also facilitating flights for our allies and our partners, and working in close operational coordination with NATO on this evacuation. For example, we provided overwatch for the French convoy bringing hundreds of their people from the French embassy to the airport. These operations are going to continue over the coming days before we complete our drawdown. We're going to do everything, everything that we can to provide safe evacuation for our Afghan allies, partners, and Afghans who, 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 who might be targeted if the, because of their association with the United States. But let me be clear. Any American who wants to come home, we will get you home. But make no mistake, this evacuation mission is dangerous. It involves risks to our armed forces, and it's being conducted under difficult circumstances. I cannot promise what the final outcome will be, or what it will be that it will be without risk of loss. But as Commander-in-Chief, I can assure you that I will mobilize every resource necessary. And as an American, I offer my gratitude to the brave men and women of the U.S. Armed Forces who are carrying out this mission. They're incredible. And as we continue to work the logistics of evacuation, we're in constant contact with the Taliban, working to ensure civilians have safe passage to the airport. We are particularly focused on our engagements on making sure every American who wants to leave can get to the airport where we have been seeing challenges with Americans for, for Americans, we have thus far been able to resolve them. We've been able, we've made, look, and we, we've, we've made clear to the Taliban that any attack, any attack on our forces or disruption of our operations at the airport will be met with swift and forceful response. We're also keeping a close watch on any potential terrorist threat at or around the airport, including from the ISIS affiliates in Afghanistan who were released from prison when the prisons were emptied. And because they are, by the way, and make everybody understand that the, the ISIS in Afghanistan are this, have been the sworn enemy of the Taliban. I've said all along, we're going to retain a laser focus on our counterterrorism mission, working in close coordination with our allies and our partners and all those who have an interest in ensuring stability in the region. Secretary Blinken is with me today, met this morning with our NATO allies in consultation about the way forward. 
so that Afghanistan cannot be used as a f in the future as a terrorist base of attack to attack the United States or our allies. For 20 years, Afghanistan has been a joint effort with our NATO allies. We went in together, and we're leaving together. All right, that was just some of President Biden's address today as he, at the White House, joined by Secretary of State Antony Blinken and Vice President Kamala Harris. And if you heard what I heard, you hear a president saying, we're going to get everybody out. But at the same time, didn't I just hear him say, there's no guarantees? <laughs> that can't be very comforting. Essentially, as mentioned, they are going around Kabul and the rest of Afghanistan, the Taliban at this point, rounding up people. These people live by Sharia law. They don't care about the norms of the Western Hemisphere. They don't care about this stuff. And then, as I said, I'll echo it. These people are mad. They are, I guess you could say, elated at the same time. Elated that the fact that they their side's going to end up coming out of this victorious. But they're still upset about having this invader from the West 20 years in their country. And the third thing is these people are armed with American paid for weapons. And they want to use them. Absolute mess. Absolute mess we've got. And uh, everybody's got an opinion, I'm sure. If you've got an opinion, 803-816-1170 is how you can get in touch with us. Text or call us. We'll be happy to share what's going on in this developing situation from Afghanistan. Now, let's talk about some Mother Nature-related stories here as we cover all things Southern. 17 people are missing in North Carolina following flooding that has gone on in that state this week because of Tropical Depression Fred when it made its way across the state of North Carolina. Haywood County, that is Maggie Valley, that area of North Carolina, a very lovely, beautiful area. In Haywood County, Emergency Services Director Allison Richmond said that search and rescue teams had been expecting the weather and were prepared to do to not hinder them a whole lot, but the storms, although relatively minor, did bring in a lot of rain. But 17 people are missing primarily there in western North Carolina after another night, Thursday night into Friday, of wet weather. Now that 17 down from 20 that was missing on a Thursday evening. But so many people across North Carolina. In fact, I'm seeing an image put up on the Charlotte News and Observer website of a high school football team's football playing surface, Pisgah High School in Canton, North Carolina. And that tropical storm this week caused so much flooding that it looks like it has destroyed the turf, the artificial field of this high school in Canton, North Carolina, Pisgah High School. And that was not, I'm sure, expected here days before the start of Pisgah High School's high school football season. I assume this stadium might have been near a creek or something like that that caused floodwaters to rise and literally just rip up this high school football playing surface. Post-tropical cyclone Fred wreaked havoc, bringing flooding, mudslides, and several tornadoes. That was just in North Carolina. Governor Roy Cooper put out a statement on Wednesday 
a state of emergency in order to aid first responders and the agriculture industry and activate the state's emergency operations plan. Now, right now, we do have a death toll, and that death toll from Fred is at three. And that includes not just North Carolina, but other states. A man killed Monday night near Panama City, Florida, according to reports. So this thing that came across mostly as a depression, but at one time was a tropical storm, Fred, ends up taking the lives of several Southerners over these last few days. And it also has caused a lot of flooding and damage across the Southland. So we're happy to see this one go, but it's still not over as so many people are right now missing just in the state of North Carolina. Now, one more weather-related story before we take a break and move on to some other happenings across the southeast. This is not necessarily a southern weather-related story, but can you believe that right now in New England they're preparing for their first hurricane in 30 years as it looks like this is going to be Hurricane Henry, spelled H-E-N-R-I, as on the latest reports I'm seeing that this Henry is expected to intensify into a hurricane by Saturday. Impacts could be felt in New England states by Sunday, including Cape Cod, where thousands of summer tourists are there. Of course, most of the northern states don't go back to school until right around Labor Day, so the kids are enjoying their last few weeks of freedom right now. And it looks like there's going to be a hurricane that's going to hit some of that area, whether it's Massachusetts, Connecticut, perhaps New Hampshire has a very small beach area, and Maine could be affected as well, as this is going to be, it looks like a category, possibly category two storm. storm. 30 years ago, Hurricane Bob went ashore in Rhode Island as a category two storm, killed at least 17 people and caused more than a billion dollars of damage. And now this week, Henry, looks like sometime late into the weekend, you're going to see this thing hit for sure. It looks like Massachusetts, but some of the neighboring states of New England. And our thoughts are there as they prepare for this unusual weather occurrence of a possible hurricane. The Y'all Show with John Rawl broadcasting from the Dixie Cafe. We'll take a break, come right back, and we will hear all about the Virginia Cavaliers on our return. We'll hear about Bronco Mendenhall's team. We'll discuss the history of Virginia football. All that is coming right up here. Go Hoos! We are the Y'all Show. South and college football have enjoyed a love affair for more than 150 years. And the Y'all Show is getting y'all ready for the biggest year college football's ever had. We're on a 44-city tour of Dixie's great college football teams. John Rawl is getting you ready when the toe meets leather Labor Day weekend. So get your chin strap on and get ready for today's Southern College Football Tour stop. Here's Johnny. We're in the ACC Coastal Division today on Talk with a Southern Accent. 
Today we are spotlighting the Who's. That would be the Virginia Cavaliers out of Charlottesville, Virginia. Bronco Mendenhall is the head coach of Virginia, this great BYU player of yesteryear who went on to be a very, very, actually he did not play for BYU, my apologies, he's a Utah native, but he actually played at Oregon State, how about that, surprise, surprise, he went on to be the head coach at BYU 2005 to 2015 as Mendenhall's tenure in Provo, but he left BYU. He was doing quite well at BYU, and this guy who's a, a Utah fella, a Westerner, if you will, decided to pick up and move to Charlottesville to take over the Virginia Cavaliers program back in 2016. And he's got a rather impressive head coaching record, 129 wins versus 75 losses, Bronco Mendenhall. We'll tell you more about Coach Mendenhall in a second. Let me tell you about his team Virginia gets ready to enter the 2021 season with some questions. One of their big questions is going to be, are they going to bounce back from what happened in 2020? Because in 2019, Mendenhall led Virginia to its first ever appearance in an ACC championship game. They played in that against Clemson. They lost, but they still represented the Coastal Division with a 9-5 and record that year. Remember, they went to the Orange Bowl back in 2019 and played in that one. Lost to Florida, 36-28. A very good game, the 2019 Orange Bowl. But Virginia, in 2020, they were 500 at best. They were 5-5 overall, 4-5 in ACC play. They declined to participate in a bowl game. So they had an average year last year. And that's not where Bronco Mendenhall wants his program heading in his mediocrity because that's what they were when he first got going back in 2016. They were 2-10. In 2017, Virginia was 6-7, and seven, lost their bowl game. But then they got on the winning track, 2018, 8-5. As mentioned, 2019 representing the Coastal Division as a 9-5 and five football program, one of the best years in recent times for Virginia Cavaliers football. Virginia this year opens up its schedule in Charlottesville against the tribe of William and Mary. The FCS team comes into the flagship university of the state, but remember, William and Mary is the second oldest college in all of America. So certainly the Commonwealth's oldest college is WNM, the tribe. Look for the upset September 4th. After that game, the Cavaliers welcome in from the Big Ten. The Illinois Illini come in for a game on September 11th. And then the rival continues, the rivalry in the ACC. It's UVA at North Carolina, and that's their first ACC game. That game set for September 18th. 
Then Wake Forest, a cross-divisional opponent from the Atlantic, comes to Charlottesville for a game on the 24th. The the Hurricanes welcome in the Hoos on September 30th. Then they'll be at Louisville October the 9th, October 16th. Duke will be the homecoming opponent there at Charlottesville. Then, also in Charlottesville the following weekend, October 23rd, the Ramblin' Wreck from Georgia Tech pay a visit to Charlottesville. Then Broncos' old employer, BYU, host UVA for a game on October 30th. Notre Dame is the opponent as Notre Dame comes into UVA country on November 13th. The Hoos will be at Pitt on November 20th, and they wrap up the regular season with the Smithfield Commonwealth Clash. And that'll be a home game on November 27th against the hated Virginia Tech Hokies. That's the 2021 season, the schedule, if you will, for Bronco Mendenhall's ball club. Now, looking at some of the websites prior to coming on here today, getting you ready for Virginia Cavaliers football talk here. As we said, they had a subpar or right at par. Par, if it, par means average they, they had an average year five and five overall four and five in ACC play in 2020 but that was during the coronavirus and a lot of things certainly are going to be a lot different in 2021 according to the website collegefootballnews.com CFN says the defense was the bigger problem during last year's five and five season the offense needed a little while to get things going It averaged 423 yards and 30 points per game, the Virginia offense. But it was way too inconsistent and wasn't nearly explosive enough. Although on the positive side, the offensive line was not bad, as the ground game wasn't amazing, but the Hoos led the ACC in fewest tackles for loss allowed, and that wasn't necessarily the worst thing in terms of pass protection. Some of the names to be on the lookout for, Wayne Talpapa, He is a very quick running back and led all the running backs and was second on the team with 395 yards and five scores. Now the Cavaliers, according to the website, need Ronnie Walker and sophomore Mike Hollins, a talented option who sat out last year to rise up and be a meaningful part of the rotation. Also, they talk about Brennan Armstrong, UVA's quarterback. He's a good runner, according to CFN and a decent veteran who threw for over 2,000 yards and 18 touchdowns, but according to CFN, needs to be more consistent and more accurate after only hitting 59% of his passes, and he had 11 interceptions in 2020. Another possible quarterback for this football team is Keetion Thompson, who was a Mississippi State quarterback who's transferred in, and he'll also work at receiver, but a very, very good tool that they could use if need be with the football program at Virginia heading into the 2021 season and this website also goes into breakdown Virginia's defense and even special teams you can go find this article Virginia Cavaliers CFN college football preview 2021 at collegefootballnews.com you know who also is talking about Virginia Cavalier football getting ready for the start of their season in just two weeks It is a homegrown journalism product. It's Scott Cash. He is a sports anchor at 13 News Now in Norfolk, Virginia. And Mr. Cash 
Mr. Scott Cash, has broken down the Virginia Cavaliers 2021 slate. And we're going to go now to Norfolk and to the Tidewater of Virginia and hear a very brief report courtesy of Scott Cash and 13 News Now talking about the flagship University of Virginia's 2021 football team. Hard to gauge anything on what happened during the fall last year during the pandemic, but I do know the Cavaliers are hoping to be better. They were ACC Coastal champs the season before the pandemic in 2019. Last year, they were the very definition of mediocre. They had five wins, five losses. Preseason camp, not quite two weeks old right now. How about a status report from Coach Mendenhall? Our team is hungry and they're confident. Um, and they're working really hard, receptive to being coached, uh, so I, I like where we are. Mendenhall expects his team to score a lot of points this year. Brennan Armstrong at quarterback is a good starting point. He was really good last fall, and if you're wondering if Coach could quantify that performance... I think what will happen is uh, his performance will quantify it, and I think the team's record will quantify it, so... Until then, I don't think I can, uh, but I think the yield will then do that for us. Armstrong threw for over 200 yards and rushed for over 45 yards in each of six different games in 2020. No one in the nation did better than that. When it comes to making progress this year, that's easy to figure out. I would say decision-making. I just I, I just think overall, I just know where the ball should go. Um, I don't get flustered if, you know, maybe my one-two option isn't there anymore. Um, I think that's a huge thing. Armstrong was the leading rusher on the team last year as the quarterback. He should get more help in that department this season, which obviously would improve the whole product. I have a lot of confidence in this offense to begin with. Um, coming into spring, or going into spring, um, I was just, you know, feeling it out, making sure we were on the same page, and boom, we hit the ground running pretty fast, and the offense was clicking right away, so that surprised me. And then we're just trying to keep that momentum rolling through fall. All right, again, that out of Norfolk and Scott Cash of 13 News now with his season preview of the Virginia Cavaliers who start out the 2021 season at home against the William and Mary Tribe in just two weeks. So get ready for ACC football, Who's fans, and you can help fill up Scott Stadium and its nearly 62,000 seats to see that Tribe Cavaliers game set for that opening weekend of September 4th. 7.30 p.m., by the way, is the kickoff time for that game at home. And then it's, what is it, two two straight home games against the, the Tribe and then the Illini coming in from Illinois, and then they hit the road with their first ACC game on the road at Keenan Stadium on September the 18th. Now, more about Virginia's football history. This is a team that, of course, for a long time has been an afterthought in the annals of college football. They've never necessarily been a powerhouse in football, period. They claim No national titles, unlike most schools out there. They have five total conference titles in their program history, only two of which have come as members of the ACC, 1989 and 1999, those coming in the George Welch years of him being the head coach at Virginia. And 1990 was going to be this magical possible national championship run 
for Virginia football until Georgia Tech changed that. And Georgia Tech went on to win a national championship in the 1990 season. But Virginia has been in 20 bowl games in its program's history. And as I said, this is not exactly the nation's biggest, most exciting historic football team, but it is one of the nation's most exciting and historic colleges. Their football success certainly doesn't equal the respect and incredible legacy that this college has as a college. And even recently, of course, their basketball team captured a national championship. But that took a long time to get there. But at least they've got that. Now Virginia looking for a football championship of some kind. And it's been, as I said, a long time since they got a conference championship. As it was back in 1995, that last when George Welsh's team went 9-4 and four overall, 7-1 and one in ACC play, and they were technically co-champions that year. They were also co-champions in 1989 when the Hoos went 10-3 and had a 6-1 and one conference record. But that also goes down as a co-championship. I bet you in 1995 they had to split that with Florida State. Now they beat Florida State that year. They may have had to split that with North Carolina because that was the only ACC team they lost to in that 95 season. Now they, they, they are considered co-champions. Florida State did share that, but head-to-head Virginia beat Florida State back in 1995. Won with a game at Scott Stadium, 33-28. to Big win. So I'm sorry. I know Bobby Bowden just died. But I would say, Virginia, you should, you should have won that championship, friends. You deserve to win that one in 1995. 1989, if I go back and look there, they lost their opening game against Notre Dame, a game played at Giant Stadium to start the season. They lost to Clemson, and that was a tough one. 34-20, to 20, they lost to Clemson. But you know what? That shouldn't be so surprising <laughs> because Clemson and Virginia played – when they first got in the ACC together, starting in 1953, I believe it was, Clemson and Virginia's history, if you've never looked that up, it's kind of odd. Clemson has the worst record, and it just got broken two years ago. They had never beaten North Carolina in basketball at a game played at the Dean Smith Center or anywhere in Chapel Hill. They had never won a game in basketball, and they play every year there until – two years ago and they finally got that monkey off the back but that was about 50 years they were 0-50 going into Chapel Hill for a regular season basketball game the flip side of that was Clemson's football team literally beat Virginia every year they ever played not just on the road but at home and that streak did not come to an end until I'm going to try to pull this up here, somewhere in the 90s, I think Virginia finally, finally got that horrible, horrible, dubious distinction out of the way with a, a win. And I'm still trying to pull this up here. I know it should be fairly easy to find. Let's see here. Um, 
So minute, so much information, so little time, y'all. Let's see here. Come on, come on, come on. All right, I may have to uh, click on one more deal here. Let's see. Clemson. Clemson and Virginia first played in 1955 in Charlottesville. And Clemson won every game in this series, home, away, perhaps even in Richmond one time they played. Clemson did not lose a game in this series until 1990. That was that famous 1990 season I was talking about. Virginia finally won 20-7. to And the next year it was a tie. But even then in that long history of games, there was not a, a tie between Clemson and Virginia. So from 1955 to 1930, 1989, that was 34 years. Yeah, Clemson won every single game. But I'm not here to pick on Virginia because we are spotlighting the Virginia Cavaliers on today's y'all show. And Virginia football has this history again of no national championships, but certainly have won some ACC championships and it was in 2019 they, for the first time, made their way to Charlotte as they participated in the ACC championship game. They won the Coastal Division. They were the last team within the Coastal Division to go into a ACC championship game. Every team from the ACC Coastal has now made it to Charlotte and been in this game. Even the Duke Blue Devils have played for a conference title in a championship game. That's pretty impressive. Now on the other side, the Atlantic side, Clemson and Virginia Tech and FSU, I think those three might be the only three teams of that seven group of seven teams that have made it to the championship game. I think I'm right on that. Virginia, as I said, with some colorful figures through the years. If you go back and look, maybe in their coaching, you had way back in the day coaches that served for a long time, coaches that ended up, serving in the World War I era. And then I would say the most famous coach, if I had to guess, would be, as I said, George Welch, as he coached from 1982 to 2000. And he had a over 600 percentage winning feat coaching UVA. And Welch, I always remember him wearing the classic white hat with his tie. He was maybe the last of the – the gentleman coaches out there. A former Navy midshipman quarterback, George Welsh, who left Navy to go be UVA's coach. And in that 1990 team, as I said, they started off, they were the number one team when Georgia Tech came in for a game, and Tech won that game 41-28. to But Virginia in 1990 did something that I don't think they had ever done, rise to number one in college football. That was a season where they knocked off Clemson for the first time. And then they beat NC State, which is a big win for them. And ended up, after losing that Georgia Tech game, they lost several other games, including losing to Tennessee in the Sugar Bowl in 1990. But George Welts ultimately left the program, and Al Groh came in as a head coach of Virginia in 19. I'm sorry, 2001, Al Groh. Al Groh, who played for Virginia back in the mid-1960s, the former head coach of the New York Jets, who left the Jets and went to Virginia 
and served as coach for a number of years. And Virginia was – I remember them in Algro. He kind of brought in a new look, a tough guy look, if you will, to Virginia. And they were above average, I, th- I would think, in the Algro era. But ultimately he left. And in 2010, Mike London came in and I don't think did very good. Al, uh, after Al left, London comes in. London had been the coach prior to UVA at Richmond, and I think Richmond beat Virginia one season when he was coach. And so, (laughs) turns around, he ends up getting hired at Virginia, and his best record was a 8-5 mark in 2011. But he leaves, and then Virginia goes and gets Bronco Mendenhall, who comes from Utah, from BYU, where he'd been the coach of the Cougars. And right now, as we sit here today, Bronco Mendenhall's record at UVA is 25 and 25, a perfect 500 as a coach. And you know he didn't come all the way to this part of the world to have a 500 coaching record. So lots to be told, lots to be changed for Virginia football heading into the 2021 season. Some of the great players through the years for Virginia football, I mean, we've got Howie Longson was one of their great players. Chris Long, defensive end back in 2007 for Virginia. And another player in recent years that has gone on and done quite well for Virginia is Sean Moore. Remember him? He was a great quarterback for Virginia. And then you've got some of the players, the uh, Barbers. Was it Rondé Barber? He, he and his twin brother both played for Virginia Cavalier football. Tiki. Tiki and Rondé Barber played back in the mid-1990s. And maybe they weren't twins. They were just brothers. Regardless, great players for Virginia, and they've had some good, good players for the years. They just, just don't have the championships. That's the one thing lacking and maybe – Bronco Mendenhall will be able to pull it together this year and surprise all y'all. Virginia again opens up the season with William and Mary September 4th. The ACC opener on the road against North Carolina on September 18th. The ACC home opener is against the Wake Forest Demon Deacons on September 24th. Here at the Y'all Show, we'll keep you posted in all things UVA and all things Southern teams as we march along throughout the 2021 college football season. Now, just two weeks away. We will have more on Virginia in hour number three. We'll discuss famous alumni of UVA, and also we'll tell you about some of the great traditions, including why we're hearing that good old song play right now in the background. Why do they play that at UVA and not just on New Year's Day? Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent comes right back. We're going to take you back to Tuesday. We had a very special guest here at the Dixie Cafe, and you're going to get a chance to hear a portion of that interview. It's coming up next on the show that's all about the South.
And we're back on talk with an accent on all things Southern with your host, John Rawl. Our number, 803-816-1170. That's the number to text or call anytime you have an opportunity. We'd love to hear from you. Here at the Dixie Cafe is where we're broadcasting, and we enjoy being here. You never know who will walk in and have some of that delicious cornbread, hot water cornbread. Perhaps it might be some of the good veggies, the good meats like spaghetti. That's what I had a good good helping of prior to sitting here on the Y'all Show today. And a friendly staff, in addition to yours truly, awaits when you drop by and see the Y'all Show when we're here at the Dixie Cafe on Tuesday while broadcasting from here. The staff here at the Dixie Cafe surprised a young man on his 98th birthday. And I just happened to be sitting here in the host chair and I saw the fun. And I thought, when it's your 98th birthday, we got to call you out. We got we to gotta bring you on if we're able to. Unfortunately, we weren't able to bring on our very special guest because his walking ability just wasn't quite good enough to walk up and come up our little flight of stairs to join us here at our really cool setup inside the Dixie Cafe. But his daughter, Perlene, did come on and here at the Y'all Show, we're going to take you back to Tuesday for a portion of our fantastic interview we did with Walter Reeves. He turned 98 on Tuesday. His only wish was to come eat some of this delicious food at the Dixie Cafe and maybe even to hang out with a good old southern guy named John Rawl. I don't think that was his wish, but that's what he got in addition to the great people here and the great fun that he had on his 98th birthday. Again, his daughter, Perlene, took time to come join me and tell me more about her daddy on his 98th birthday. And we thought here on today's Y'all Show, it would be appropriate for us to rewind back to Tuesday in a segment we called... I-C-Y-M-I, in case y'all missed it. And in case y'all missed it, we thought this was a really neat, fun interview done with Perlene as she roasted her daddy on the 98th birthday that he enjoyed. How about this special salute to a man who's a native of Mississippi enjoying his very special day. It's all about Walter Reeves, and it's all right here on Y'all Talk With a Southern Accent. I am very proud of my father. Um, he has. I have eight other siblings, and my mother uh, passed away in March of 2019. She was 97. She did not make it to see her 98th birthday, but I'm so proud of my father today because, Walter Reeves, mm-hmm. because he is 98. He is the head of the Reeves family. Um, and it's that's nine of us. R E A V R E A V as in Victor E S. Okay. And he, uh, we're so proud of him um, because he's still alive. He's well. He's not on a lot of medication. And as you can see, I, I'm looking at him. He is. He looks very good. Our setup here not quite good enough. It's our fault for him to be able to come up here. So, again, his daughter Perlene bringing this resident of Ashland, Mississippi. Mississippi, yes. That is Benton County. That's Benton County. That is just to the north of Holly Springs. That's where most people go in Ashland, by the way, yes. to go buy things and to go <laughs> down to right. Holly Springs. 
But it's also in North Mississippi on the Tennessee state line is where you'll find Ashland. And you live in Collierville, Tennessee. Collierville, Tennessee. You're a big city girl compared to Ashland, aren't you? That's (laughs) right. And my dad actually lives with me now. Oh, does he? Okay. For almost four years. All right. But he's still a Mississippi guy, huh? Yes, he is. Absolutely. Most Mississippians, and I'm not a native of Mississippi, but they have, I'll tell you as a non-native that lived in Mississippi for many, many years, most Mississippians that I have found, and I bet your dad's one of them, have a lot of talent. Oh, absolutely. Whether it's singing or maybe he looks like he could be an actor. He I'm, used to. He used to when he was active. He had his own business. Did he? So Reeves Plumbing. Oh, really? So he he could fix. He he's a Mister Fix It. He could fix everything, um, and everyone relied on him in Benton County to for their plumbing mm-hmm. and wiring. And he also contracted several houses throughout Did Mississippi. He? All right. Yes. Again, we're celebrating Walter Reeves today. His ninety eighth birthday which means he would have been born in 1923? 1923. All right. So he would have been 18 years old when World War II started. Oh, my goodness. Was was he in the war? (laughs) No. He was not? No, he was not. Okay. Well, a lot of his fellow people around his age, of course, went off. A lot did did not return. But he ended up having, you said, eight children? Nine. Nine. It's total nine of us. I'm number eight out of nine. All right. And what's neat about today, you're getting a chance to hang out with your dad. Your dad, for his 98th birthday, had a special request. What was that? His, his special request was that he's so happy to be alive, but he wanted to travel here to Jackson, Tennessee, to Casey Jones. I mean, he's traveled to Jackson, Tennessee many, many times. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for his 98th birthday, that's what he asked for. I actually asked him, what would you like to do? And he said, I would like to go to Jackson, Tennessee. All so right. I think he's very happy today, and I think he, he enjoyed his day. All right. Does, do, you, do you know of a special reason in the past that Jackson had to make him want to come back here? Does he I, like trains? He, he just, I think it's something about the atmosphere and, and probably because he traveled here many times and okay. had people here that he knew. Uh, and he may have even done some work here, Okay, actually. Well, again, born in 1923, he's seen a town like Jackson go through a lot of changes through the years. Oh, and, absolutely. And at one time, this town was big in trains. Right. I don't, I don't know if a train goes through Ashland or not, but I wonder no, if you no. And I know there's Maybe a, Lamar. If well, you're familiar with oh, Lamar, yeah. Mississippi. I'm even familiar with Michigan City. Are you really? Yeah. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Are you? Yes, definitely. There's a train track. I'm even familiar not only with the place, but the people of a place called Grand Junction. Yes. <laughs> you better watch out for them people. I'm sorry, the folks at the Grand Junction Police Department were just questioning me, <laughs> and therefore I was off the air just for a moment. What a great interview. Again, that was a I-C-Y-M-I, in case y'all missed it, Perlene talking about her daddy who celebrated his 98th birthday on Tuesday, Walter Reeves. Happy birthday, Mr. Reeves, and thank you for letting all of us enjoy a few minutes of hearing your incredible story. The Y'all Show wraps up hour number one right after this. Hang on. Melissa, she's got a Southern Sports Report, courtesy of y'all.com, and that's headed your way next.
Here's a Southern sports update from y'all.com. I'm Alyssa Rhodes. College football coaching legend and Southern icon Bobby Bowden died August 8th. He was 91. Bowden led the Florida State Seminoles to two national championships, 1993 and 1999, and he'll forever be known for what he did with the Knowles. But it was Howard College, now Sanford University in Birmingham, that had a more personal connection for the late coach. When I was five years of age, we moved about a half of a block from uh, Howard College football field. And I spent all my childhood playing on that field. You know, that was out in Eastlake. Of course, then they moved over the mountain. And then I attended school at, at the old Howard College. Then I came back and coached at Sanford University, you know. And uh, I think about it constantly. You know, my wife went to school there. I went to school there. One time or the other, my aunts and uncles and my, my children you know, Terry was the head football coach here. I was the head football coach here. My son Jeffrey coached here. My son-in-law Jack coached here. So it's, it's uh, I guess our familiarity with this is uh, more than any other place in the world. Sports headlines and more at y'all.com. And we will definitely miss Bobby Bowden in college football's upcoming season. I'm sure FSU is going to do a very, very good memorial for him, as will West Virginia where he coached. And... The Samford Bulldogs, which at one time was called Howard College when Bobby Bowden was a student and played a little football and even coached Howard College. Those Samford Bulldogs out of the Southern Conference, the SOCON, ought to be on the lookout for the Samford Bulldogs this year, which have a very, very classy, very well-done statue of Bobby Bowden just outside the football stadium there in the Homewood neighborhood of Birmingham. Thank you, Melissa, for sharing that as we wrap up Hour 1, our Southern Sports Update. When we come back on the Y'all Show, we'll get Hour 2 kicked off. we got a very special song of inspiration coming from a good Southern lady. That's ahead. Plus, we'll have our fishing forecast from Craig Faulkner. All that on the show that's all about the South. We've hit hour two of our getting the weekend ready to get going edition of Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent. I want to hear from you. It's time for a little party crowd. She couldn't keep from crying when she told me goodbye. But I knew the Lord, it was breaking her heart that she was breaking mine. So for the sake of her feelings and the sake of my pride, I told her not to worry about me. So I'm sitting here soaking up the neon lights, misery looking for some company. And tonight I'm looking for a party crowd, slamming it back and laughing out loud with the smoke so thick the blues can't hang around. With the jukebox jumping like I just don't care If they're dancing over here or fighting over there I'm making the rounds looking for a party crowd It'll dawn on me tomorrow Wherever I wake up I'll look back and try to recall Just where the heck's my truck so take my keys and lock them up tight 
Let the good times flow And I worry about tomorrow when it comes to light The night's still young And I'm on the road tonight I'm looking for a party cry Slamming them back And laughing out loud with the smoke so thick The blues can't hang around With the jukebox jumping like they just don't care If they're dancing over here I'm fighting over there I'm making the rounds Looking for a party crowd All right, all of you Southerners are Southerners at heart. I want to hear you. I want you to get in that weekend mode right now and help sing along. It's our getting the weekend kicked off celebration here on y'all. Looking for a party crowd, slamming them back, and laughing out loud where the smoke's so thick. The blues can't hang around. Thank you for hanging around. It's hour two of our show about the South. Jumping like I just don't care if they're dancing over here or fighting over there. I'm making the rounds, looking for a party crowd. Y'all got big weekends this weekend? I want to hear about it. 803-816-1170. Slamming them back. And laughing out loud where the smoke's so thick, the blues can't hang around. Woo! Box jumping like I just don't care if they're dancing over here or fighting over there. I'm making the rent. Y'all think I got what it takes to go to Nashville? Could I be a big old country music singer? I don't know about that. I've had my chance. Hey, welcome back. It's y'all talk with a Southern accent. But if you, maybe you maybe you just heard yourself singing there, and you're like, "Woo! I think I could go to Nashville. I think I got what it's take what it takes to be the next David Lee Murphy." Well, you just do that. Go for it, and tell them John and the Y'all Show sent you to Sixteenth Avenue. And if you get that big record contract one day, please let me. Let me do a little interview with you, if you don't mind. Hope y'all are doing good. We are the show that covers so much about the South. It is really an honor for we here at the Y'all Show to have a chance to talk to you about what goes on in the South. And we like to make a, have, we want to have a show that's fun and it's educational. It's also something that you can tell your friends about, your family, when you go to church on Sunday. Right there on the church grounds. Please, do me a, a small favor. Tell the folks that you listen to the Y'all Show. It's okay. You know why it's okay? Because we do occasionally get out there on the edge a little bit with some wild and craziness like party crowd. But I'm going to bring it back home right now with our next selection. This is our feature on Fridays that we call our Friday Free for Y'all. And we, of course, kick it off with David Lee Murphy. But then I try to bring up the next song and I try to have a reason for it. So, our intense and incredibly awesome staff at the Y'all Show did a little homework this week. And we found out that this week was the 75th birthday of William Jefferson Bly III, who changed his name ultimately to William Jefferson Clinton. And he became President of the United States, President number 42, serving from 1993 to 2001. And on Thursday, Bill Clinton had his 75th birthday. In fact, I haven't seen any photos, kind of like what Obama had 
for his 60th birthday. Have y'all seen any photos of Bill Clinton partying down somewhere? Maybe outside of Little Rock, perhaps? I doubt he would go to Little Rock for a party. He might go to Fayetteville. He might go over to West Memphis to the dog track. (laughs) That'd be something to see Bill Clinton hanging out there. Bill Clinton, 75th birthday. So in honor of Bill Clinton, I thought I'd do something to honor the nation's 42nd president. I did a little research. We know that Bill Clinton was Mr. Cool. Some say he was the nation's first black president. He was so cool. But in his coolness, maybe not with Monica Lewinsky, but with other things going on in his life, Bill Clinton evidently has his own presidential playlist, and it's some of his favorite songs. And I'm going to tell you what a few of these are, and then we'll play one of them. And we'll tell you more about the song and the artist of the selection that we're going to play. But right now, Bill Clinton's playlist includes of his favorite songs of all time. Do you have your own personal playlist? You don't have to be the nation's 42nd president to have your own playlist. But among the songs on this playlist, Mickey Mangrum's, or, oh, whoa, I'm sorry, Mickey Magnum's In the Presence of Jehovah. Miles Davis's My Funny Valentine. Nina Simone, I Wish I Knew How It Would Feel to Be Free. John Coltrane and Johnny Hartman's My One and Only Love. How about Zoot Sims' Summertime? Igor Butman's Nostalgia. Judy Collins's Chelsea Morning. How about Van Morrison's Brown Eyed Girl? That's on Bill Clinton's playlist. Carly Simon, I Get Along Without You Very Well. That's one of his favorite songs. Simon and Garfunkel's Bridge Over Troubled Water is one of Bill Clinton's favorites. Philadelphia Freedom from Elton John. A Song for You from Willie Nelson. I've never heard of that one. Not that I know of. How about Joan Baez's Winds of the Old Days? And then he's got something really out of left field with a John Williams, the guy that does all the great orchestra music. Concertio de Aaron Yez is one of Bill Clinton's favorite songs. So this article caught my attention as we celebrate Bill Clinton's 75th birthday this week. But one more song on this list that I want to kind of single out. It's one of Bill Clinton's favorite songs. And I'm going to tell you about the artist and I'm going to tell you about the song. The song is Take My Hand, Precious Lord, from Mahalia Jackson. And we're going to play that one in just a moment. Mahalia Jackson, she was a native of New Orleans, born in 1911. She passed away at age 60 in 1972. But she was a gospel singer. And all you know, more people who knew about her music considered her one of the most influential vocalists of the 20th century. Her career stretched over 40 years. And not only was she had... She's known for that great voice, Mahalia Jackson's voice, but she helped with the gospel blues element, that kind of sound out of the black church, and spread it throughout the country. And during, during the turbulent 1960s, the last decade, full decade that she lived, her voice and her presence was part of the civil rights movement. During this time of racial segregation, she met considerable and unexpected success in a recording career, She sold 22 million records and performed around the entire country. This woman, born in New Orleans, the granddaughter of slaves, 
became a household name, Mahalia Jackson. And again, she lived all the way up until she was 60 years old, dying in 1972. She sang the national anthem at John F. Kennedy's inaugural ball in 1961. She was a very vocal and loyal supporter of Martin Luther King Jr. and a personal friend of Dr. King and his family. And that was just some of the many things known for Mahalia Jackson in her career. The song we're about to play is Take My Hand, Precious Lord. It was actually written by Reverend Thomas Dorsey. And Thomas Dorsey's story is pretty amazing in itself. Thomas Dorsey was a composer and a Christian evangelist. And he helped with the development of early blues and 20th century gospel music. Thomas Dorsey, born in Villa Rica, Georgia in 1899... He ended up writing more than 3,000 songs in his career. A third of those 3,000 songs, that would be 1,000 songs, would be gospel songs. And in addition to writing Take My Hand, Precious Lord, he also wrote Peace in the Valley. Recordings of these sold millions of copies in both gospel and secular markets throughout the last 100-plus years. Known by his nickname of Georgia Tom, again, writer, composer, and huge success, Thomas A. Dorsey, a Villarica, Georgia native who lived until 1993. He died in Chicago at the age of 93 that year, but he was the man behind writing this song that we're about to hear, Take My Hand, Precious Lord, performed by Mahalia Jackson. It was Dr. Martin Luther King's favorite song, And obviously, as we just said, it's got to be one of Bill Clinton's favorite songs. In fact, Mahalia sang this song at Martin Luther King's funeral in 1968. Two of the most dramatic moments of the entire 1960s, singing at Kennedy's inaugural and then performing the song at Martin Luther King's funeral. What an amazing and tragic, I guess would be the best way to say kind of contrast of this song. In addition to being recorded by Mahalia Jackson, this song has also been recorded in time by the likes of the Blind Boys of Alabama, the great West Virginia singer, Little Jimmy Dickens, Aretha Franklin, she sang it on her album Songs of Faith, the great Elvis Presley sang this song on Elvis's Christmas album, and it is truly an amazing Christian song. This song was inducted into the Christian Music Hall of Fame in 2007. It was included in the list of Songs of the Century by RIA, the Recording Industry Association of America. Mahalia Jackson's recording of Precious Lord was honored with the Grammy Hall of Fame Award. So here on the Y'all Show, because it's one of Bill Clinton's favorite songs, it's by a great Southerner in Mahalia Jackson, the New Orleans native, written by a Villarica, Georgia native, and that would be Reverend Thomas A. Dorsey. Here on the Y'all Show, we're going to send you into the weekend with this song of inspiration, Take My Hand, Precious Lord. Enjoy. We'll be right back with more after this moment of reflection here on Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent. Precious Lord. Take my hand, 
Let me stand. I am tired. Oh, I am weak. I am warm. Georgia boy wrote it, Thomas A. Dorsey. There you heard a good Louisiana lady singing it, and that was Mahalia Jackson, and that song, Beloved by Another Georgia Boy and Martin Luther King Jr., and it also was loved by a fellow from Arkansas named Bill Clinton, and I bet you a lot of y'all love that great Southern song, Take My Hand, 
precious Lord. And here on the Y'all Show, as we get you ready for the weekend, a little touching song to send us off into the fun of the weekend. Hope you enjoyed that and more of the background of one of the most influential songs of the 20th century, according to many. Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent continues after this break. We're going to take you from the church with Mahalia to the fishing grounds and hunting grounds of the South. Craig Faulkner is standing by. He's got the fishing forecast for the weekend. I wonder what's going to be biting. We'll let you know all that's ahead on the show that is all about the South. show but we try to at least do it once a week when our buddy craig faulkner drops by for his fishing forecast craig faulkner right here on the y'all show with john rawl and are you hunting fishing and loving every day craig uh, i try to i work at it uh, even I, the loving part <laughs> i don't know if love's the right word for it but <laughs> but uh i will tell you this uh, i was thinking uh, about coming up with some fishing content for today's program and my mind just keeps going back to hunting. And it's something that uh, I've evolved into over the years. I, I started uh, studying myself on it. And I guess about the uh, first part of January every year, uh, my hunting season's wrapping up. Uh, I might do a little rabbit hunting with my dad and uh, some of his buddies. But uh, my mindset's gone to fishing about January. <laughs> and uh, and like I've said in one of our earlier programs or shows uh july is normally my cutoff date for uh fishing i mean it gets so hot uh the oxygen levels in the lakes is so depleted uh fish are just not active and that continues on into august well august is about the time uh hunting season start throughout the south uh traditionally uh squirrel season starts august 28th and uh Dove season is September 1st throughout uh, most all the southern states, I do believe. And uh, and then you got bow season coming up uh, usually around the end of September. And uh, That would be for deer. That would be for deer, bow season. And uh, that's when I – I might get my bow out today. I hadn't shot it since last year. and uh, Might go to bed tonight hugging up on it? I don't know about hugging up on my bow, but uh, <laughs> I, I'm – I want to get my arms in shape for one thing. Oh, 
I had and, never and, even thought about and that. get my eye on target. Yeah, oh, oh yeah, yeah. You can. Uh, you actually you use some muscles pulling the bow back that you don't use on a normal basis throughout the year. So what? How are you, how do you prepare? What do you do? How do you work out? Well, I work out by shooting the bow. Oh. Now I, I do know people that. Uh, shoot these uh, really uh, high-powered bows. Uh, and by high-powered, I mean they, they've they got a poundage setting on it. You can set it to whatever uh, poundage you want. Uh, I've never been one to go overboard because uh, you get in awkward situations in trees, and some people have to wind up almost to pull their bow back, and then I don't like mine set that tight. But uh, anyway, that's a... How accurate are these 21st century bows? Um, my brother, I bring his name up a lot, but he lives across the farm from I me. I want to he, go ahead and tell everybody his name. Chris. Chris. Yeah. Hey, Chris. He is, uh, he only bow hunts. He doesn't muzzleloader hunt or gun hunt. He bow hunts throughout the entire year. And he practices pretty much year-round. And I say practicing, uh, He's got deer blinds set up in his backyard and targets set up to up to 50 and 60 yards away. And uh, he pretty much hit a pipe hand at 50 or 60 yards. And 30 yards and in, he can hit a fist. And uh, like I said, he, he shoots a lot, and he, he does use the high-tech uh, bows. Uh, I think I was talking about that on our last pro- program that uh, – I had reverted back from my high-tech bow and went back to a bow I've had over 35 years ago. And not only that, I don't even use a release with it. I shoot straight fingers. So uh, so that's where I'm at. Well, again, I'll show my ignorance here on today's y'all show. So you have these high-tech bows. Do you go – what happens to the actual mm, arrow, I guess? Is that what it's called? Well, yeah, <laughs> bow and arrow. Yeah, yes. but I didn't know in this fancy hunting world we're in if it's got another name. Since we're not out uh, doing target practice, they're actually trying to get victims in this case with hunting. D- do you go out and try to re- recover your arrows? How does that work? Oh, sure. sure. Okay, because sure. I'm assuming those are pretty expensive. Yeah, they are expensive, and uh, I shoot a different type arrow in my older bow. It's a, a, a thicker uh, aluminum arrow. Mm-hmm. The uh, the high-tech bows are graphite and different types of composite and a uh, whole different uh, weights and it's a whole different uh, bottle of wax right there. But, uh, oh, yeah, the arrows are expensive, that's, that's for sure. You go try to capture and do you try to recover arrows that have hit their target? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, of course, I, I've got a practice target that's made to be a practice target. And it's uh, made of some compressed uh, – uh, I guess, for lack of a better word, uh, types of plastic and rubber mm-hmm. where you pull it out and the hole actually fills itself back up and uh, it contracts. So, but, oh, yeah, I, I've hunted with arrows that I've killed two and three deer with, the same arrow. It doesn't get torn up? Well, if you hit a bone, it will. Mm. But if you shoot straight through, past through shot, it's generally uh, fine. Sometimes the fletching may be messed up. But as long as the arrow's straight, uh, you can roll it across a flat table and tell if there's any humps in it. Uh, as long as it's straight, I, I'll reuse it. Of course, you got to uh, uh, resharpen your broadheads also. That's uh, of vital importance. Uh, you, those broadheads got to be razor sharp. And 
We're talking with Craig Faulkner, and he is straight as an arrow with his <laughs> life, at least, and also his hunting life. This is the Y'all Show, Craig Faulkner's fishing forecast. And you mentioned the calm before the storm with uh, calm before the storm with deer hunting coming up in October, and some of these other small games available to go hunt pretty soon, including squirrels. What are some tricks to being a good squirrel hunter? Walk quietly. Walk quietly. <laughs> look for. Uh, isn't that the norm for all kinds of hunting? It is, but uh, look for uh, cuttings underneath hickories and oak trees. Find out a tree they're on. Or pecan trees. Also, you can look for uh, muscadimes this time of year. They really like the muscadimes. Mm. Uh, hickory trees this time of year, uh, some of them bear a lot more fruit than others, so they're not all covered with uh, fruit or nuts. Uh, same thing with acorns. But uh, I don't typically uh, go squirrel hunting like I used to. When I grew up, that was the first hunting I did, and I really jo- enjoyed it. And it's really a good uh, type of hunting to carry a kid because you can learn a lot about the woods when you're walking around uh, squirrel hunting. You get to observe a lot of things that are going on. But uh, one thing I will uh, warn you on, uh, make sure you spray the bug dope down because uh, the ticks and the chiggers are full force right now this time of year. See, I didn't think squirrels lived in the woods anymore. I thought they were all over people's <laughs> lawns. That seems to be where I see most of them. Uh, you see a lot of them in town, that's for certain. Yeah. What about the rules on squirrel hunting? I know it's different for every state, but do you know kind of the, the bag limit, if if you will, of a squirrel hunt? You know, I want to say between uh, 6 and 10, depending on what state you're in. Uh, I don't know what I'd do with 10 squirrels. but uh, What would you do with six? I don't know what I'd do with six anymore. What, uh, what would you have done in the old days? Well, in the old days, uh, we used to always – opening day of squirrel hunting was a big event in the old days. Uh, it really was. I mean, cause it was opening of hunting season. And a lot of the old-timers I hung around back then have passed away, a lot of my dad's friends. And we had a, uh, a cabin down on the Hatchie River. And everybody came down for the weekend. Uh, everybody uh, killed all the squirrels they could kill, and we'd make a big uh, pot of squirrel stew. Of course, uh, the stew had chicken and some other meats in it also, but you could kind of get around the taste of the squirrel. It's kind of a stringy meat. One of the fun aspects of hunting is the types of hunting you do where you do have that fellowship. And you yeah. mentioned like the old days. I've been to a deer hunting club before in the past where it was a gathering around. They had a big, big meal. It might have been a barbecue, actually, now that I think about it, although it was a deer hunting camp where I went to. That's a big part of why people go hunting in the fall, correct? The fellowship? Oh, sure. The fellowship, the camaraderie, the uh, stories. Uh, a lot of people you just see that time of year and – uh and you catch up on old friendships, uh, catch up on how everybody's life's going, and then uh, catch up on old hunts and fishing trips. And uh, it, yeah, it, it's a real good time. It's always a good mood around there. And uh, you know, uh, and I'm gonna switch subject real quick. You talk, do talking that. about camaraderie, uh, I was reading a little piece the other day. Uh, it was talking about fishing, and it, it was actually a uh, article bill dance had uh, written in a publication who bill dance oh yeah okay yeah, you know I've the name. i'm kidding name you. dropping there yeah. <laughs> but he said one thing and it, you know how it's neat when you can read something 
even if it's something that you know you hadn't thought about in a long time, and it's kind of a reminder. He, he was talking about fishing and improving your uh, techniques and how to become a better fisherman. And what he recommended was to go fishing more, but which makes sense. But uh, another thing he brought up, and I've thought about this in the past too, and uh, is when you're fishing, uh, be observant of your surroundings. Uh, be observant uh, of what you hear on the water, what you see, and remember the days past when you caught fish what the weather conditions were, how deep the water was, what time of year it was, what the barometric pressure was, and you register all those things in your mind, and that will help you to become a better fishing fisherman. Uh, another thing he mentioned in there that I got a laugh out of because this actually happened to me on my last fishing trip on July 5th when it was too hot to be out there. Uh, we were really not having a good day luck-wise fishing, and it was miserably hot. And the person in the boat with me made the comment about how much work they had to do and what they had to do when they got home. And I said, let's go. Because once your mind gets away from fishing, you might as well go home. Fishing was made to be fun. If you're out there worrying about what you got to do, you don't need to be out there. This person who you're obviously trying to embarrass here on the days y'all show, were they normally a, a, a very avid fisherman? Or no, they no. Come they're, along for the ride. They're, they're kind of uh, new to the sport. They've oh, been okay. before, but uh, All right. they're kind of new to it. It wasn't me, by the way. And I've done the same thing to myself. I've been out there fishing before and, and started thinking to myself what I had to do and try to fish my way through it, <laughs> it never it never works. So once your mind gets off the fishing, it's time to go home. You know, a mind's a terrible thing to waste. <laughs> Talking with Craig Faulkner here on today's Y'all Show, our fishing forecast. So we still have a couple more weeks now before squirrel season kicks in and some of these other bow hunting type things launch in a few weeks. So you're doing the preparation you talked about last week when we were with you, ammo shortage. Has that improved at all in the last few days? Not for me, it hadn't. And in fact, uh, as soon as I leave the office, I am going to a uh, gun shop I hadn't been to in a while just to see if they've got ammo or any suggestions. Uh, I guess after that, I'm going to have to, because I'm not tech savvy, I'm going to have to get with my daughter and get her to go online and start shopping for ammo for me. So I'm going to have to pay the piper. The the hoarders, the ones that are getting to the sporting goods stores two hours before they open and are bringing all the, you know, cleaning the shelves off and then carrying them home and selling them on the Internet for two to three times the store's cost. But i got to have my ammo. Mm. So what am I going to do? What's the guy going to do? But it is out there. It's just the prices have been raised by these hoarders. Yeah, yeah. It's not in the stores. It's and and I still I want to do a little research on that. I I think the uh, firearms, what is it, Tennessee or not Tennessee, but tobacco firearms uh, in that group together somewhere. I I just don't see how it's legal to sell ammo uh, for for an individual to sell it. But I guess it is because they're doing it. Hmm. I hadn't thought about but that. Frustrating. Yeah, and and, and we'll be. Sharing the good news when we know it of where you might can find stuff, but but you can confirm that you can buy ammo online. 
Oh, yeah. See, that's oh, a little yeah. surprising to me. Yes, yeah, yeah. With all these rules and regulations. Exactly. I know you can't buy a gun online, can you? Uh, Unless it's like a, a old gun. I guess if it's from an individual, you can. So, you know, I'm, I'm kind of indifferent about that also because I know uh, federally uh, you have to uh, – there are restrictions, and it may vary from state to state, but uh, – you can't just walk in and buy a gun anymore without them running a background check yeah, on Yeah, that's why I was wondering. I know, I think the muzzle loaders in the past were something you could, the the kind of reproductions of 19th century weaponry. Yeah, That used to be about the only thing that I was told that you could buy online without all the checks and balances. That may have all changed. Craig, you got your notepad. Anything else over there we didn't get to on today's Y'all Show? I believe that's got me covered for hey, today. I like your preparation. Craig Faulkner, he is the man behind the fishing forecast. Have a great rest of your week and weekend, and we will be right back here with you next week to get another installment of your fishing forecast. Back at you, John. More of the show about the South is coming up right after this. Jeopardy. Hello, I'm John Rawl, back into y'all talk with a southern accent, and we've got a little entertainment news to pass along here before we get out of here for the week. Mike Richards has stepped down as the host of Jeopardy. Of course, he was going to take over for the late Alex Trebek, and this guy who had only been on the job or was supposed to be on the job, if you want to take that, the producer-turned-host who was going to be the rightful heir of Alex Trebek, today stepping down over the controversy over past incidents and comments. Woo! This is why you don't need to be out saying bad things about people or you might lose your job as the host of Jeopardy! A job this guy could have maybe had for decades. The stunning announcement today comes just after the Ringer website exposed a litany of offensive comments from this guy's past. Remember, he's not really been a game show host before. He's been a guy behind the scenes, Mike Richards. But now he's stepped aside as host of Jeopardy. And for right now, they're going to go to a recurring cast of guest stars to come on and fill the role of a host. Perhaps that might be the route they go. They got a lot of attention when they started doing that 
after Trebek's death. And now this guy likely not going to be heard from again. He is an executive producer of Jeopardy, so I don't know if he's been fired from that position. But he did apologize, but that apology was not well received. The A Anti-Defamation League, ADL, weighed in saying that Richard's disparaging remarks about Jews, women, and Asians are no laughing matter. Stereotyping is an entry point to hate, and his apology lacks acknowledgement of its harm. Again, he is out as host of Jeopardy, Mike Richards. Britney Spears, I know you've been waiting on a Britney Spears update. She's explaining why she got on social media and started posting topless pictures. You know, I didn't get any of those sent to me over the last couple of days. The singer posted a few topless photos on her verified Instagram account. In the shot, she covers her bare breasts with her hands. Now, what kind of mama would do that and put it all over out on social media? Well, Britney Spears, evidently. And we wonder why she's been in the news for the conservatorship battle with her daddy. Now, she went from declaring she would be posting less on social media to, yeah, she's posting less, less of her clothing, it looks like. In one series of posts, Brittany explained in the caption, I didn't get a boob job in just a week, nor am I pregnant. I have boobs in these pics because I devoured food. (laughs) Brittany, I'm sorry, you might be one of us, you might be from the South, but I don't think your elevator quite reaches the top floor on every day of the week. She went on to put on social media. I don't even know if this is fit for family, but I'll try to clean it up. Britney Spears added, Before I show you more pics of my body, I want you to understand my thoughts on exposing my skin. In my opinion, it's quite twisted the immediate response of when any woman is hot and they want to shed a layer. No, I'm not talking in a strip club or a performance just on a practical scale of being in your car or realizing you're wearing a stupid long sleeve shirt in the summer. So is she saying that women might need to, or men too, might need to start shedding their shirts when they go up and down the highways in their car? That's what I'm reading into this. Again, you can go on to her official social media accounts and especially on Instagram and see her pictures with her hands covering her boobies. Brittany Spears explaining her topless posting spree. That's some good quality weekend reading and viewing if you'd like. Garth Brooks has canceled tour dates due to the Delta variant. The country music superstar saying he's doing his part. As Brooks put out in a statement, In July, I sincerely thought the pandemic was falling behind us. Now watching this new wave, I realize we are still in the fight and I must do my part. Garth has restarted his tour this summer and according to his release he's set to perform in the cities of cincinnati on september 18th charlotte september 25th baltimore october 2nd and then he was supposed to be in nashville also that has not been rescheduled after being canceled due to inclement weather the one in nashville his home area Garth says he is hopeful that he can find new dates and start over when this wave seems to be behind us. And his, he says that could happen before year's end. Roughly 350,000 tickets for five shows will be refunded for Garth. And I don't have the list of the cities that were canceled, but again, according to his site, 
he had been set to perform in those cities I just mentioned. And I guess those are the ones he's canceling. I don't think he had anything prior to that. So if you are a ticket holder of one of those Garth Brooks concerts, you're probably well aware that Garth's changing his mind and not necessarily coming to a concert venue near you due to the outbreak of the Delta variant. Now to more news from Nashville. Sam Hunt, who has had a couple of hits, and I don't know how they would even be considered country music songs, frankly. They are, uh, can I say trash on the radio? Yeah. Yes, Sam Hunt, the former UAB quarterback. He has pled guilty to a DUI charge in Nashville back in 2019. And now he was in a venue the other day doing a video conference with the legal side of things. And he was at Nashville's courthouse back on Wednesday of this week where he pled guilty to misdemeanor DUI charges following a 2019 DUI arrest in Nashville. Sam Hunt appeared before Judge Amanda McClendon, and he pleaded guilty to two counts of DUI. As a result, his sentence of 11 months and 29 days in jail had all time suspended except for 48 hours. Sam Hunt was represented by attorney Rob McKinney. He was wearing a button-down shirt and appeared to be in his natural home. I guess this was a virtual court appearance that he was in. That's that's kind of a positive for all those who are charged right now. A lot of the cases, it looks like they can avoid the embarrassment of having going into a courthouse in cases like this. But I guess it's also visual, and you can and the whole world can see it without having to show up in a courtroom. Now, Sam Hunt faced more than two years in prison had his case been taken to trial, and if he was convicted, but he's pleaded guilty to two counts and. It looks like he may have already served 48 hours in jail, so he's going to get out of that long prison sentence. But he did plead guilty. I wonder if he had his license suspended. Not sure, not sure. I don't often report on DUI cases because, frankly, to me they shouldn't be as big of a deal on that first count. If, if nobody got hurt and, and, and the person did something stupid, what's the difference between a DUI and running a red light. I know the DUI thing, you could kill somebody, but you could kill somebody by running a red light. And so uh, an unfortunate thing that DUIs often get big national attention, and here I am talking about it, but he pleaded guilty to two, two counts here this week. So Sam Hunt in the news. Also in the news, more on the death of Nancy Griffith. She died last Friday, and now in memoriam, CMT.com has come out with a list of some of Nancy, Griff- Nancy Griffith's most famous song. From a Distance, Bette Midler made that one famous. That was one of her big ones. I love the song Outbound Plane. Susie Boggess made that one a big hit in the 1990s. How about Lyle Lovett and Nancy Griffith teaming up the two Texans for closing time? Emmylou Harris and Nancy Griffith had Across the Great Divide. And then her own song that Kathy Matea made famous in country music, Love at the Five and Dime. Those are five of Nancy Griffith's most famous songs. And at cmt.com, they've got a tribute to the late singer-songwriter who died last week after a long illness, Nancy Griffith. 
Y'all talk with a southern accent. We're here having a good time, wrapping up the week, and we will continue to have a good time. If you hang on through the break, when we come right back, I've got a quick look at some of the new movies hitting the theaters across the South this weekend. That's up, so stay tuned. 803-816-1170 is how you can text us. If you've got something to say, we'll be happy to pass whatever you've got to say along to all y'all. We'll be right back. If you like working with numbers and helping people, you might have tax pro potential. You could turn your passion for tax prep and helping people into a career with us. Income tax classes start September the 1st at Dyersburg, Humboldt, Martin, Union City, and Ripley offices. For more information, call 731-285-0749. That's 731-285-0749. You could be a tax pro. Hey guys, this is Mark here from Jackson Off-Road right here in Jackson, Tennessee. Let me tell you a little bit about what we got going on here. Jeep and auto accessories, weather tech gear, step bars, bed covers, bed lining, lights, offering anything vehicle related, big or small, come see us guys. Hires, tires are big right now. We're doing discounts on tires, we're doing discounts on hitches. If you're in the market for towing accessories for your campers, come see us. Fifth wheels, goosenecks, bumper hitches, wiring, we got you. Look for the monster truck, Jackson Off-Road, right off 45 bypass, 668 84. Okay, wrapping up hour two, got a pretty big list of new movies hitting theaters this weekend. Rebecca Hall, Sarah Goldberg star in The Night House. That's a new horror thriller movie in theaters starting today. Reminiscence is brand new. Lisa Joy directs. Hugh Jackman is one of the stars of this mystery romance movie. The kids will like this one. Paw Patrol, the movie. It is out this weekend. It includes voices from Tyler Perry as well as Ron Pardo. It's out Paw Patrol, the movie. Demonic, a horror movie out this weekend, as well as The Protégé. Michael Keaton is one of the stars of this action thriller movie. Flag Day arrives in theaters, and it is a father lives a double life as a counterfeiter, bank robber, and a con man in order to provide for his daughter. Flag Day, directed by Sean Penn, is in theaters this weekend. Crypto Zoo is out this weekend. Emily Davis, one of the stars of that one. Habit, that is a movie with Josie Ho and Paris Jackson, out in limited form this weekend. Risen is available this weekend, as well as Rare Beast, Billy Piper, and Leo Bill, among the stars of this comedy. 
And that's a quick look at what's in theaters this weekend on the show that's all about the South. Stay tuned. When the Y'all Show gets right back, we will have Hour 3, a quick look at Southern sports, and more on the Virginia Cavaliers coming your way. And Hour 3 Plus, we'll share with you some of the great festivals going on in the Southland this weekend. We'll be right back. the y'all show talk with a southern accent we're just full of surprises and we got a nice surprise that stepped into the dixie cafe to say hello to us and here at the y'all show we want y'all to step into the dixie cafe whether it is truly stepping in like bill eleanor's just done or maybe just step in via your telephone you can text us at 803-816-1170 Mr. Eleanor really did step into the Dixie Cafe as we get our third hour of the Y'all Show ready for you, our final hour of the week. And Mr. Eleanor, thank you for stopping by the Dixie Cafe. Okay, I don't know if I got the right mic. Say that again, sir. Okay, see, I still got to work on some of these buttons up here, Mr. Eleanor. All right, you stopped in to say hello. You didn't realize that we were here at the Dixie Cafe, so thank you for taking time out to do that. Sometime. Okay. Didn't, didn't actually realize you did Yeah, I'm, 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 like I said, I'm full of surprises. And let me shut that off there. I don't know if that microphone's working today or not. Let's try another one. All right, say something to me in that one. Hello, testing one, two, three. I don't know what's going on here. We are FCC's all over us. But anyway, you stop by to say hello, and we want to let the listeners know that they can also, again, at least text us sometime. But I'm going to quiz you. I know you've got uh, other duties you got to go off and do. But you've been listening to the Y'all Show a long time. Uh, I'm going to do a, a real live poll. What are some of your highlights of the show? What do you like? Why do you tune in? Well, I just I love the South myself. You do? I would never know by that accent. <laughs> I was actually born in uh, Utah. Oh, oh, really? My dad was stationed out in Salt Lake City. Uh, but we moved here when I was one, and uh, he's from up in Sheridan, Tennessee. My mother's from down around Corinth. So, okay. Uh, yeah, I've lived, lived here all my life. And I love the South and just enjoy it. It is a special place. Yeah, it is. Even for Utah natives. <laughs> uh, so you, you like the South, and, and hopefully here on this show, again, we're not patting ourselves on the back too much, but we think we got something here you can't find anywhere else. I know you... Evidently, you must like listening to the radio, and all of you listeners out there, you must like listening to the radio, or else you wouldn't be listening to me right now. But we here at the Y'all Show try to do things just a little different and talk about things you're not going to get on every other radio station. Yes. So what are the, some of the things you enjoy hearing about? Besides the South, do you, do, you, do you keep up with sports? Do you like the sports that we cover? Well, some, yeah. I like, I like football. You do? And, uh, Two weeks away from college football. Yeah, I know. And you talk about food and places in the south and so i just i just always found it uh, enjoyable well again i appreciate you coming by we try to keep it up now you know where we are and you know how to call us too so if i'm not doing something right now bill mr eleanor you need to let me know because i'm not above my raisin i don't know if you ever heard that expression before I have. <laughs> yeah but we we'd certainly appreciate you and 
like I said, I wanted to have you on because you, you, you were willing to come up here and say hello. And I just want to let everybody out there know, don't be bashful. Don't be scared. I want to at least hear from you. You don't have to physically come see us, but you got to at least let us know that you're listening so that we can say hello to you from time to time. And, and you know, when we're not doing something you like, we can turn around and, and get it fixed. And that's what we are. So you got a big weekend plan? Be pretty quiet. Pretty quiet. All right. Well, that's that's my idea of a good, good weekend. Bill Old North, thank you very much for stopping by, and thank you for listening. Thank you, Jim. All right. See, just got all kinds of surprises. Somewhere between now and next time you come up here, Mr. Eleanor, we're going to have to get that microphone fixed. I don't know what in the world that was all about. But, see, that's some of the fun of live radio. You just never know. You just never know. And you also never know what's going on in the world of Southern sports. And so let's quickly – go in and find out what's going on across the southern landscape from a southern sports perspective here. You heard Mr. Eleanor just say he likes his football. Well, we got a lot of southern states that are up and going this week with high school football. So I know even on Thursday night some big games played across the south and many, many more Friday night lights happening this weekend. We do have an update in the college football world Brian Harson, head coach of the Auburn Tigers, is now isolated because he's tested positive for COVID-19. Remember, Brian Harson is a brand-new coach on the plains for the Auburn Tigers. And now, just two weeks before Auburn starts its 2021 season, he's tested positive. He's put out a statement, and their university putting out a statement as well. The 44-year-old coach saying, as we have navigated through the pandemic – Contingency plans have been in place should a situation like this arise. Just like in a game, teams that handle adversity and make necessary adjustments are those that are most successful. Those the words of Auburn's first-year football coach, Brian Harson. Wish him all the best as he undergoes this unfortunate turn of events two weeks before the War Eagle Plainsman begin their outbreak their 2020 onslaught if you're an Auburn Tiger fan you hope you knock them all dead and in terms of the schedule all your opponents you can just knock out and Auburn's got a history of having some knockout seasons I think this guy's going to surprise a bunch of you when he comes in to the SEC this year he's a proven coach at Boise State and I think he can be a proven coach with what he's got planned for Auburn in 2021 Now, this story also getting some traction today. The ACC, the Big Ten, and the Pac-12 have announced an alliance as they're trying to fight back against what the SEC's done in recent weeks, adding Texas and Oklahoma to their roster. And these three of of the five Power Five conferences are expected to formally announce this alliance between their leagues, and that is expected within the next ten days. That, according to ESPN's David Hill and an article he's got up at ESPN.com, and he cites several sources that have been involved in the conversations. But the substance of the agreement remains in flux. I wonder, just wonder, if the SEC and their cunning and creative way wouldn't try to sabotage this possible alliance of these conferences by going and trying to navigate and steal some of the power players 
of these remaining conferences. It is not completely out of the question that Clemson could be asked to join the SEC. And if Clemson joins the SEC, that's going to severely damage the ACC. And we got some real behind-the-scenes wars going on, or at least the possibility of wars going on from an athletic conference realignment standpoint. Look, I never thought I'd see Texas. After all the drama of Texas going off and launching the Longhorn Network 10 years ago, and that led immediately to not just Texas A&M going to the SEC, I think that's a big part of the reason Colorado took off for the Pac-12. It's possibly why you saw Missouri leave for the SEC too and other conferences affected by that. People were weirded out by one school getting so much power by having its own ESPN-affiliated network. Well, that didn't work out too good for Texas. Texas has not won a single national championship that I'm aware of in any sport since the Longhorn Network was formed. And, and I mean, maybe they won it in rowing or something like that, but none of the major sports. Not only have they not won it, Texas really hasn't been a big player in any of the three sports from a national championship perspective since the formation of the Longhorn Network. That's saying something because that was supposed to be a game changer in advantage for the Texas Longhorns. And now after all these years of having that monopoly and having their own network, here we go with Texas and Oklahoma raising a white flag and behind closed doors charlie rich would be proud they go and join the sec and it's going to probably happen before 2025 and so as we are announcing here in this possible alliance between the atlantic coast conference the big 10 and the pac-12 they're looking to fight back and get some attention maybe get some leverage with college football and if i were greg sankey commissioner of the sec I would be not necessarily on the phone with Clemson directly, but I would definitely be on the phone with Ray Tanner, the head of the University of South Carolina, and I would definitely be on the phone with the athletic director at the University of Georgia. Those are Clemson's next-door neighbors, one's in-state and one's just down Interstate 85. And if they can pull off behind closed doors some kind of nod over to Clemson and say, look, we'll we'll let you in the SEC if you want to, abandon the ACC and be one of our true powers in college football. If they could steal Clemson, I wouldn't go after Florida State. Florida State has turned down the SEC twice already. The heck with Florida State. Maybe Georgia Tech. If they're looking for additional members, I would think Georgia Tech would be all over being readmitted into the Southeastern Conference. Does that gain the SEC a whole lot? No, but it would help them from an academic standpoint. And they're right in the heart of everything, being in Atlanta. Georgia Tech would be a possibility. Then they might want to go try to steal a member or two from maybe these other conferences. I mean, from the Big Ten, is there a possible school that would be a good fit in the Southeastern Conference? Geographically, no, except for possibly Maryland. If Maryland's not willing to go back to the ACC, which is where they should be, frankly. That's a big stretch. I don't know of anybody Big Ten-wise would be that great of a fit, other than um, maybe for Missouri's sake you could make an offer to to Nebraska. Remember, Nebraska almost divorced the Big Ten last year because of the way they were acting in terms of – 
trying to abandon the college football season. And to Nebraska's credit, they really did stand up and try to get that season going. And and, and if you're going to bring in Nebraska, why not steal one from the Pac-12 in Colorado? Because Nebraska and Colorado back in the Big Eight days are kind of tied at the hip. I've even seen recent photos of fans holding up signs about Colorado and Nebraska reuniting. That was a good little rivalry, even though those states don't even touch each other. Nah, nah, I should, you know what? I should study up on my map of the Midwest. I'm all about the South and its maps. Does Nebraska and Colorado actually touch? I really should know that. I'm going to go ahead and say, yeah, they may actually touch because they're both kind of elongated states. Um, do they touch? Do they touch? Do they touch? Do they touch Nebraska and and Colorado? Yeah, they do touch. I'm sorry. It's just that top right corner of Colorado has a border, shares a border with Nebraska. Now, why did I not know that? Why do I sound like an idiot here when I claim to know so much about geography? Because the big cities, if you will, in this portion of the border of Nebraska and Colorado interstate, what is that? 76 goes through that area. The biggest city in this area would be Julesburg, Colorado. Never heard of it. This is in the Pawnee National Grassland of of these states. Now, not all that far to the west would be Cheyenne, but that's in Wyoming. Not a whole lot. In my defense of not knowing my Nebraska and Colorado borders, but, again, just throwing out possibilities, knowing Greg Sankey, he's already over this. He's all into this. And don't be surprised if you see the likely extension granted, knowing how Sankey and his office works. Because what they did with Texas and Oklahoma to get them back in the fold in the SEC and bring Texas out of the Big 12, essentially dooming the Big 12's conference with the addition of these two, is nothing short of amazing from a college football standpoint. But now they're paying the price because so many of these other college football teams are ticked off and they want some kind of revenge against the SEC. Now, to the NFL, Urban Meyer says there's no timetable on who he's going to pick to be his quarterback. Of course, he's got Trevor Lawrence. He also has the Mississippi kid on his roster, a guy that has been a good quarterback at times for them, Gardner Minshew. But right now, Urban Meyer taking it up to the last minute. He's sitting on the clock on his decision for naming a starting quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars of the NFL. Now to the preseason, week number two of the NFL. We already had one game played Thursday. New England absolutely embarrassed the Philadelphia Eagles 35-zip. On the lineup on a Friday evening, ESPN's going to have one of these preseason games. The Kansas City Chiefs will be at the Arizona Cardinals. Also, you've got the Washington football team hosting the Cincinnati Bengals. That's going to be televised on the NFL Network. Saturday, bunches of games. You even have a few on Sunday and even a Monday night football game, y'all. Buffalo will be at Chicago Saturday. That is a high noon Chicago time kick between the Bills and the Bears. 
Jets will be at Lambeau to take on Green Bay on Saturday. The Falcons will be at South Beach to take on the Dolphins. The Ravens and the Carolina Panthers will be at Bank of America Stadium in Uptown Charlotte. The Detroit Lions will be at the Pittsburgh Steelers on Saturday. The Tennessee Titans and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will take their fisticuffs to the actual playing surface of Raymond James Stadium. That's set for a 7.30 Tampa, 6.30 Nashville time kick between the Titans and the Bucks. The Houston Texans and the Dallas Cowboys have an all-Texas affair from AT&T Stadium on Saturday evening. The Indianapolis Colts will be at Minnesota. The Las Vegas Raiders take on the L.A. Rams. The Denver Broncos are at Seattle Saturday evening. On Sunday, starting at high noon on the NFL Network, high noon Eastern Rather, 1 o'clock Eastern, high noon Central time, the Browns have the New York Giants coming in for a matchup. And then late afternoon on the NFL Network, the L.A. Chargers host the San Francisco 49ers. Monday Night Football is that matchup that we told you Urban Meyer's hinting at. He can't make a decision. Well, we all might be able to help him make that decision. The Jacksonville Jaguars with both Minshew and Trevor Lawrence will be going over to New Orleans for a game on ESPN from Caesars Superdome. It's the Jags and the New Orleans Saints Monday night football. And that's what's happening from an NFL perspective here, week number two of the preseason. Next week will be the final preseason weekend, and then they'll kick into week one of what's going to be, for the very first time ever, a 17-game regular season for each of the NFL's 32 franchise. Y'all talk with the Southern Accent continues after this break. We're back to Charlottesville. We'll tell you about the history of the University of Virginia. We'll discuss some of the famous alumni and what a distinguished list that is. Plus, we'll be telling you about Cavalier traditions, including all what the heck is who's. I'll tell you what who's is when the Y'all Show continues. Before the hour's up, we'll tell you about some great festivals taking place across the Southland this weekend. We're at the Dixie Cafe, and we're coming right back. The Y'all Show is on the road and stopping by 44 of the South's great college football towns as we get y'all ready for the start of the 2021 college football season. Tailgates, traditions, fight songs. Can you feel the excitement? Here's y'all show host John Rawl to fire y'all up with today's great Southern College Football Showcase. You know, that's a song played by an ACC school called Florida State. That's not a good thing to be playing when we're talking about a fellow ACC team today. All right, stop that darn Seminole thing, and let's get into the good sounds of the Virginia Cavaliers because it's Charlottesville, VA, where we are today talking about UVA and getting you set for Bronco Mendenhall and his team's 2021 season. William and Mary is the very first opponent coming in to Scott Field. Right now, though, let's hear from the Virginia Cavalier Band.
right, Virginia got its season, its first one underway back in 1888. That's one of the first southern schools that I've seen have a football team start in the 1880s. But that's when UVA got it going. And my apologies to both the University of Virginia and to Mississippi State University. UVA Stadium is Scott Stadium, not Scott Field. That Scott Field would be what you'd find at Mississippi State's as Jack Crystal would say, Davis Wade Stadium, wrap it up in maroon and white. Well, we're wrapping it up today in orange and blue because it's all about the Who's of Virginia as they are today's featured school. And they are a historic, such an important part of the South's history is UVA And you're sitting here wondering why? Well, do you know who the founder of the University of Virginia is? It's a guy named Thomas Jefferson. And his incredible plantation is right there in Charlottesville. If you ever, ever have a chance to go see Monticello, it is a great place. And I think if they still do this, when you pay in cash, they give you change back in $2 bills. That's pretty cool. But Monticello right there at UVA, right at Charlottesville, And the University of Virginia and its enrollment now, which is right at 25,000 total. They got 17,000 undergraduates and 8,000 postgraduate students studying at this lovely college town west of Richmond called Charlottesville. And UVA, a proud member of the Atlantic Coast Conference. Before that, they were in the Southern Conference for a very long time. And UVA, it is a public research university. Founded in 1819 by the United States Declaration of Independence author, Thomas Jefferson. And it is the flagship university of the Commonwealth of Virginia. And it is also a UNESCO World Heritage Site. I've taken a tour there. It's it's a great town. It's a great campus. And the original board of visitors for UVA included Mr. Jefferson, as well as his fellow presidents, James Madison And James Monroe. In fact, James Monroe was the first sitting president at the time of its foundation. And earlier presidents, Jefferson and Madison, were UVA's first two rectors. So Monroe was president of the United States and also on the board of visitors for UVA. Pretty good. I guess he had uh, ability at that time, unlike some of the current presidents, to multitask. UVA has graduated 55 Rhodes Scholars in its history. That's eighth most in America. And its presidents, its alumni have gone on to be heads of Reddit, CNET, and so many other big-time companies and more. Athletically, Virginia has won a college basketball national championship in recent years. They won a college World Series a few years ago. They were back at the College World Series this year. Football, they could, they could, they could get a little better. That's why Bronco Mendenhall got tasked with coming there, and I think he's going to get it turned around. Ultimately, he's going to get them back to the title game. I would think. Remember the title game, meaning the ACC title game in Charlotte, where they did play for an ACC title just two years ago. Now let's talk about famous UVA alumni. We can go way back in time and list off some of their famous alumni. Or we could keep it here more recently. 
one of the most famous alumni. And when you go to the old campus there, I think it might be called the Quadrangle. I need to brush up on my UVA campus map. But one of the parts you see when you're on the old campus there is the room that Edgar Allan Poe studied in, where, where he lived when he was a UVA student. I didn't realize this great poet who has a connection to Maryland, and that's why the Ravens are called the Baltimore Ravens is because of Edgar Allan Poe. I didn't realize that he actually got his academic start at West Point. He was a West Point cadet, and I guess being in the military wasn't for a guy named Edgar Allan Poe, so he ends up going to UVA, and he's listed as one of the famous alumni of University of Virginia. And other writers include a guy that's more of a, a TV personality writer, and that's Britt Hume, but also the political guy, Larry Sabato. He's always on the news and on TVs doing on the TV doing interviews around election time. Larry Sabato, who lives in the Charlottesville area, is a UVA alum. Another journalist is a UVA alum, and she, a Tri-Delta at that, Katie Couric. Haven't seen her lately. I don't know what she's doing. She might be hanging out in Charlottesville. And if she is, good for her. Katie Couric. How about former Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia? He was a professor of law at UVA. Then you have people in the world of politics that have been UVA alumni. People like the former mayor, Michael Signer. You have Brantley Womack, a Fulbright scholar, is a UVA alumni. And then in the world of politics, you also have, how about former governor of South Carolina? Mark Sanford. How about John C. Stennis of Mississippi? Got his law degree at UVA. Also, those who got their law degree at UVA include Laura Ingram on TV. You see her on Fox News each and every night. How about Edward Kennedy, the brother of John F. Kennedy, the longtime senator from Massachusetts? UVA Law Class of 1959. Robert Kennedy also got his law degree at UVA. UVA Law 51, the governor of Maine and the U.S. Senator currently from Maine, Angus King, is a UVA alumnus. Thurgood Marshall, did y'all realize this former White House Cabinet Secretary? This is Thurgood Marshall Jr., I should point out, class of UVA class of 81. And then you have a guy that was the governor and senator for Virginia, Chuck Robb. I mean, the UVA Law School alum has put out lots and lots of famous people in its history. Then in the world of writing, in addition to Edgar Allan Poe, you also have historian Joanne Freeman is a UVA alum. And one other, you have the president of the College of Charleston at one time, Harrison Randolph, was a UVA alum. Lots of people in media call the University of Virginia their home from an acting standpoint. Tina Fey, UVA alumnus. Tina Fey, class of 1992, the Saturday Night Live alumnae, went to the University of Virginia. Also, the lead singer of Silver Jews, that's an indie rock band, David Berman, is a 
UVA alum, the lead singer of Parachute, Will Anderson, studied at the University of Virginia. And if I can find one other heavy hitter, the painter Georgia O'Keeffe attended UVA, did not graduate. Then in the world of athletics, lots of great people from the Barber brothers, Rondé and Tiki, who both played in the NFL after UVA. They're Virginia alumni. You have Chris Long, son of Howie Long. He went on and played in the NFL before retiring. Good player, for sure. And then you've had pitchers in baseball like Michael Schwimmer, who played for the Phillies. And then you had Matt Schwab play for the Houston Texans of the NFL. He was the number one draft pick, I think, for them at one time. The University of Virginia, a very long, distinguished list of alumni. Don't want to leave out on the basketball side, Dawn Staley, who just coached the Olympic women's team to a gold medal and is the head coach of the national champion South Carolina Gamecocks. She played basketball at Virginia. Very, very long, very proud alumni base of this historic college in Charlottesville, Virginia. And today, if you're just tuning in, Virginia is our latest stop on our tour across the southeast as we get you ready for the start of the college football season. We were going to originally have Kentucky on today. We had a little scheduling change come up on Thursday. We were not able to do an original y'all show Thursday. So we're pushing Kentucky into Monday, and we'll squeeze them in with the team that we also had scheduled for Monday. So you'll get two for the price of one Monday when we make our tour stops on the start of the week, the new week of the y'all show. So I mentioned Virginia now into the traditions portion of UVA. The colors, the school colors, orange and blue, were adopted as University of Virginia's official athletic colors as a mass, at a mass student meeting. In that first year, they played football, 1888. And what a great choice, Virginia. One of the students attending the mass meeting was Alan Potts, an athlete who played on Virginia's first football team. Potts showed up at the meeting wearing a navy blue and orange scarf, that he had acquired during a summer boating expedition at Oxford University, not the one in Mississippi, the one over in England. And Potts, by wearing that nice, beautiful blue and orange scarf, those colors ended up being chosen as the official athletic colors after one of Potts' fellow students pulled the scarf off Potts' neck, waving it to the crowd, and yelled, How will this do? Well, I think it would do quite well there. Alan Potts, way to go. UVA, in addition to some nice color choices, one of the other things that stands out at UVA is the fact they've got a bunch of nicknames, including UVA, which when you write it out, it's capital U, then little V, little A. That's how you officially identify UVA. The University of Virginia's athletic teams have a bunch of nicknames besides being called UVA. Those nicknames include the Cavaliers, the Wahoos, the Hoos, and also they're known as the V-Men, Virginians, and Old Dominion. Those nicknames also have been attributed to UVA athletic teams through the years. Although the term Cavaliers, Wahoos, and Hoos are used almost interchangeably to refer to university teams and players, Cavaliers is more often used by the media, while Wahoos and Hoos are frequently used by Virginia students 
and fans. Now, how in the world do they have this nickname of Hoos and Wahoos at the Virginia for the Virginia Cavaliers? Well, legend has it that Washington and Lee and their baseball fans dub Virginia players Wahoos during a fiercely contested rivalry, and that existed between these two in-state schools in the 1890s. By 1940, Wahoos was in general use around grounds to denote university students or events relating to them. The abbreviated Hoos, it ended up springing up later in student newspapers, and it ended up getting popular. In 1923, the college newspaper College Topics held a contest to choose an official alma mater and fight song. And a member of the class of 23 won the contest with Virginia Hail All Hail, while the Cavalier song, written by Lawrence Haywood Lee Jr., class of 1924, well, that was chosen the best fight song, although both songs failed to become part of university tradition. The Cavalier song inspired the nickname Cavaliers. And so you have this very distinguished, unique name, other than the NBA team that also stole that name. The first documented cavalier on horseback was a guy from Dublin, Virginia, Francis Bell. And they used to dress up, and they would ride around. And there you have the cavalier on horseback. And that's a tradition that if you go to a game at Scott Stadium today, you'll see as part of the tradition the cavalier riding in for a Virginia Cavalier game day. And now the UVA Polo Club provides both the horse and rider. It's a nice little touch there. The Cavalier is selected from the student body through open tryouts. At UVA, another tradition is, and I'm going to play this one here, the good old song. The good old song was written in 1893. Now it is sung to the familiar tune of Old Lang Syne, and it has since served as UVA's official, or actually unofficial, alma mater. Although the words to the song are attributed to the late Edward Craighill Jr. of Lynchburg, Mr. Craighill wrote in the October 1922 issue of the UVA magazine that no one man should be credited with the authorship of the first stanza. He said it was byproduct of a welcoming home of a victorious football team and was the joint production of several students. The cheer Wahoo Wah was in vogue with the student body and was incorporated into the song. So here we are at the Y'all Show talking traditions at the University of Virginia. And this is a true part of a Virginia football game and a tradition at University of Virginia sporting events, the playing of the good old song. And again, you might recognize it as a song played on New Year's Eve each year. But at Virginia, it means a whole nother thing. And I'm going to play the song in just a second. But let me go ahead and read off the words to the good old song. That good old song of Wahoo will sing it o'er and o'er. It cheers our hearts. I get a little emotional talking about this. It cheers our hearts and warms our blood. To hear them shout and roar, we come from old Virginia, where all is bright and gay. Let's all join hands and give a yell for the dear old UVA Wahoo-wa, Wahoo-wa, Univa, University, Virginia. Hoorah-ray, hoorah-ray, Ray-ray, UVA, Wahoo-wa. All right, I butchered that, I know. But again, if you're a Cavalier fan, you're going to get real excited about this song. It's that good old song, and it's played right now. The good old song on the Y'all Show as a tribute to the Virginia Cavaliers. (laughs) 
All right. Hope you all enjoyed that and our little tribute to the Virginia Cavaliers to wrap up another great week of production on all that is college football. Two weeks away now from the start of the Virginia Cavaliers 2021 season when they kick it off against William and Mary. When the Y'all Show comes back, we'll talk about some of the great festivals taking place across the Southland this weekend. Boy, there's some real good ones, and we'll tell you what they are as we scan the Southeast, and we're going to do that just after this timeout. Another week of talk with a southern accent. And speaking of Alabama, as we wrap up, we want to tell you about some great things going on across the southeast, whether it's a nice festival or a concert or maybe even a presidential appearance going on this weekend. And in the heart of Dixie, oh my goodness, I don't know if this is actually going to happen because Coleman has declared a state of emergency because of COVID-19. But it is in Coleman, Alabama this weekend that 45th President of the United States Donald Trump is scheduled to make an appearance at York Family Farms. It's going to be a wild, wild day in a county already has a little bit of a wild reputation, Coleman County. And check that out. It'll likely be on some of the mm, alternate conservative media platforms, perhaps Saturday afternoon and evening. Right Side Broadcasting, also Newsmax, going to likely cover some of this. But check it out, President Trump and Coleman on a wild day. I know he's going to have a lot to say about Afghanistan. Now, not all that far from Coleman is Huntsville. And this weekend there in Madison County, Alabama, it's Unity Festival taking place. In Russellville, in the Shoals this weekend, it is the 40th Annual Franklin County Watermelon Festival. I better throw in something in another part of the state, and that would be, we'll go to Alexander City. And in Alexander City, Alex City this weekend has the Dixie Red at Lake Martin Songwriters Festival. Dixie Red 
at Lake Martin Songwriters Festival in Alexander City. I wonder if Randy and Teddy and Jeff and even Mark, the guy they kicked out of Alabama, they might be hanging out there near Auburn at Alexander City this weekend for that particular event. In Arkansas this weekend, you've got in Harrison, Arkansas, Spring Street Northwest Arkansas Bluegrass Festival. That's going to be all weekend long in Harrison, Arkansas. Go have a great time, if you will, checking that out. In Mountain View, Arkansas this weekend, it is Mountains Music and Motorcycles. Sounds like a fun time if you want to head to the natural state. In the state of Florida this weekend, in Kissimmee, Florida, it's the Water Park Festival 2021. This is taking place at the Island H2O Water Park. I guess they didn't want to say they didn't want to put out in their name Island Water Water Park. It's Island H2O Water Park at an event going on this weekend. Now in Stewart, Florida, not all that far away from Mar-a-Lago, this weekend, and I haven't looked at my calendar, but they have an event going on on Saturday in Stewart, the Full Moon Festival. That's in Florida this weekend. In the state of Georgia this weekend, in Atlanta at Piedmont Park, it's the Piedmont Park Arts Festival. That's taking place this weekend. In Norcross at Betty Malden Park this weekend, it's the Bluesberry Beer and Music Festival. And that's in the state of Georgia this very weekend if you want to pack your bags and head on to the Peach State. In Kentucky this weekend, check it out in Lexington, it's the Railbird Music Festival. Also in Louisville this weekend... Scheduled, I don't know if they've got an update. You might want to double check. But scheduled for this weekend in Louisville at the Kentucky Exposition Center, it is the 2021 Kentucky State Fair. Scheduled. So check it out because I'm sure they may be adjusting their calendars, not just for COVID-19. Heck, they might not have enough people to put the darn thing on this weekend because that seems to be a common problem no matter what the business is in 2021. In the state of Louisiana this weekend, if you'd like to go to the Pelican State or perhaps you're there looking for a good time, Louisiana weekend, that's taking place at the ABC Bartending School Baton Rouge, Louisiana weekend. In Del Combre, Louisiana, it's the Del Combre Shrimp Festival taking place this very weekend in the Pelican State. To the state of Mississippi this weekend, if you want to head to Magnolia Land and have a good time. It's the Mississippi Book Festival. This is always something they televise on C-SPAN if you really are looking for some good educational viewing on a Saturday afternoon. If you can't make it to Jackson to the state capitol, it's the Mississippi Book Festival from that state capitol in Jackson, Mississippi. And that's going on this weekend in the hospitality state. In the state of North Carolina this weekend, if you're looking for some fun there, the Azalea Festival taking place in Wilmington, North Carolina. I think that was pushed back. That's usually held in the springtime, but they have it scheduled, it looks like, this very weekend. And Bruce Hornsby is going to be performing this weekend in Brevard, North Carolina, at the Brevard Music Center. Coming up this weekend across the border in South Carolina, you have a lot of stuff of note going on, including the For the Love of Hops Craft Beer Festival in Lexington, South Carolina, and in Myrtle Beach this weekend at the Convention Center, it's the Craftsman's Classic. That's taking place in the Palmetto State on this almost past, I guess we are past, the halfway point of the 
month of August. Eagleville, Tennessee, it's the Sweet Corn Festival taking place this weekend. And in Cleveland, Tennessee, it's the fourth annual Cleveland Ragin' Cajun Seafood Music Fest. That's going on in the Volunteer State this weekend if you're looking for a good option to make your weekend plans. In the Lone Star State this weekend, it's the Red River Music Fest. That's in Denison, Texas. In San Antonio, I love the name of this one, Skunk Fest 2021 at Fitzgerald's Bar and Live Music Venue in San Antonio, Skunk Fest 2021. And we also will throw out this weekend, going on in Liberty Hill, Texas, the first annual Agape Barbecue Spirit Fest. That is going on this weekend in Texas. And I'll wrap it up here with what's going on in the Commonwealth of Virginia this weekend. You have a good couple events that we'll kind of share with you real quick. In Norfolk, it's the Norfolk Waterfront Jazz Festival. That's at Town Point Park. And lastly, in Fredericksburg, around the Richmond area, it's the Virginia Bourbon and Beer Festival. That's taking place Saturday at the Fredericksburg Fairgrounds. Sounds like a pretty active weekend, don't you think? If you have your plans set, great. If not, those are some good options for you to get out and see the South before we get to the end of summer. Y'all, we are almost to the end of this week's broadcast. Got one little tiny segment. We'll take it away when we come back from this break. Stay tuned. This is The Y'all Show with your host, John Rawls. All right, that'll wrap up this week's Y'all Show. Thank you for tuning in to the show about the South. We'll see you back here next week.